Hey, Andrew. Hey, Michael. Welcome back. Hey, how you doing? All right. For those that aren't regular listeners, you might notice that for a few months, Andrew had to step away, and I had a co-host of mine from Back in Tunes do some franchise frenzy episodes with me. I tried doing them on my own, and frankly, talking to Mike, just telling stories about movies. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Smith can get away with it. I cannot get away well, with he, it. It's weird and uncomfortable Doesn't for me. Smith have a buddy with him, anyway? Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he just yammers on. He has a show called Fat Man on Batman, where he just talks to him. <laughs> I tried doing it, but I found myself constantly like getting insecure and saying um way too much, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm so alone. <laughs> so, so we're back. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you do over Christmas? Did you go see Star Wars? Oh uh, yeah, actually I did. We had family over, and, and they decided they wanted to go see Star Wars. We were gonna hold off, but we ended up seeing it. Yeah, I waited till about a week and a half ago to see it because I don't like people. Oh. And even then, it was still really packed. We had a guy snoring in our theater pretty funny how could you possibly snore he, okay so, so he so he went in stuff. he went in and he sat to my left behind me and i was in the row just before the last row and he sat all the way in the corner okay and he just fell asleep immediately when he sat down so previews whatever the 20 is called whatever the commercial big long thing and then the previews he was snoring yeah, throughout yeah, yeah. all of it there was this uh, couple behind us and the girl was really cute she was uh like freaking out and uh, humorously freaking out she's like yeah, he's snoring audibly so that we could hear it and we couldn't stop (laughs) giggling that was during the previews and uh every so often he would um snore loud enough to wake himself up (laughs) eventually an usher came in and was like hey you've gotta so from that point on he was really really careful to not snore but except he did still snore but tried to not yeah mine was completely filled with geriatrics and I was so worried that being surrounded by people who are average age of 87 wow would all be like well, what, what, is it, what did he say right what does this mean I don't know who any of these people are and I was like oh this is gonna suck nope everybody shut their mouth That's... and they were just compelled by it so I'm glad yeah I didn't I okay I grew up in the 80s I was born in the 70s grew up in the 80s of course I liked Star Wars right every kid yes every child who's ever seen it liked it if you did not like Star Wars Wars, and you openly said this in the playground, at least one of the bigger kids would shank you. How dare you? Look at prison. Prison yard? No. Yeah, it's just like prison. Uh, but yeah. but when I was 19, so, so for almost 20 years now, I have really not actually liked Star Wars. Until this new movie. When we watched the new movie, we went back and watched the originals. Tried to find the original originals. And in spite of my nearly 20 years long of dislike, I was 19 when I decided I didn't like it. Um, because of it was so dumb and poorly written and wooden and all that stuff and i'm not discounting any of the the technical stuff that goes into making these movies because that stuff is the reason why we have movies that look lived in today but it just it was just dumb but this new one this new one just let me kick that opinion to the side and said enjoy it yeah i uh, with the series the first one now seems kind of campy to me and I, it's hard for me to get into it the second one i still think is a masterpiece yeah third one derails when the ewoks show up and i'm not going to talk about the prequels I, yeah 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 we're not talking about that we're not talking about the prequels no 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 but i like the ewoks still but yeah that's also still the weakest part of the movie anyway this brings us to uh like the change of mind topic 
that we have in this show today. It's like a loved it, hated it, hated it, loved it kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. So, Star Wars, this new movie, is what allowed me to come back to liking the original three. Uh-huh. But these two movies that we're going to talk about for each of us, so you get two, I get two. Correct. Those, are, those don't have the luxury of having a really great reboot sequel thing helping them out. So, what's your first? I think you mentioned Kevin Smith. I can't. So, what's your first? Oh, right. You um, loved it when it came out. <laughs> you absolutely loved it when it came yes. out. But you hate it now. What is that? It's Mallrats. Mallrats. This is Brody's private hell. Where the hell did that come from? What's going on here? And these... Brody man, Nucci Nucci's. Are his friends. What's a stink palm? Take your hand, you stick it like this. There, now you shake hands with the guy. You know how long it takes for that smell to come off? If you stare at these things long enough, you're supposed to see some kind of hidden three-dimensional picture. Oh, yeah, look, it's a sailboat. You saw it too, damn it! Dude, this looks like your mom. Bye-bye, Easter Bunny. There is no Easter Bunny! You know about this game show thing they got going on here? Well, we need you guys to somehow ensure that it doesn't happen. What else did you expect from the director of Clerks? Hey! Mallrats. Um, when I first saw this, I thought it was the most amazing thing ever. We ended up renting it on a regular basis. And this is college when we none of us had any money, but we're constantly going to the video store and getting it. And uh, I think we rented about six or seven times just the first year it was out. I bought the soundtrack. I had the poster. I worshipped this movie. I, in fact, <laughs> for those that don't know, my degree is in theater, and oh, I can't believe I'm going to say this because it's humiliating. I had to take an acting class, even though I was a technical major. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You have to take at least one acting right. class just to get an idea of what it's like from the other side. Yes. So, you know, you do your normal exercises. Towards the end of the semester, you have to do a scene with someone else. Okay. You and this other person have to put together a scene. Either you can write it yourself or you can pick it from a play or a movie. All right. And I chose Mallrats, and he was, like, completely cool about it. We This is before you could, like, download scripts or scenes. So I had to handwrite it from the VHS that I rented. The entire scene where they're talking about how Superman can't have sex with Lois Lane and get her pregnant. He can't uh. have sex with Wonder Woman. That whole scene. But they're engaged. Doesn't matter. It can't happen. Why not? It's bound to come up. It's impossible. Lois could never have Superman's baby. Do you think her fallopian tubes could handle his sperm? What about her womb? Do you think it's strong enough to carry his child? Sure, why not? He's an alien. His Kryptonian biological makeup is enhanced by Earth's yellow sun. If Lois gets a tan, the kid could kick right through her stomach. Only someone like Wonder Woman has a strong enough uterus to carry his kid. The only way he could bang regular chicks is with a kryptonite condom. That would kill him. So, which is a dumbass scene. <laughs> I wrote this all down, memorized it, and then the day that we're supposed to perform it for our grade, I find out that he quit the class. Oh no! He's done. He quit. I was so prepared, so I was given a 24-hour leeway to come up with a new scene and perform it. In fr- I have to perform this in front of my class. I have to memorize a whole scene. And for any of you that have listened to this podcast, I have the brain of a chicken. Now take it back to 19 years old. When I was filled with caffeine and no sleep, my memory was much, much worse. <laughs> so I have to ditch the small rat scene, and I pick the only thing I have on hand is the scene from Pulp Fiction 
where he describes the watch in his butt. Oh, no, not Pulp Fiction. Wait, wait, no, what? that is, sorry, sorry, I got confused, because I, I, Christopher Walken, I was thinking no, True, true Romance is what I was thinking, but yeah. I was wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, I thought about the True Romance scene. Here's the thing about both the True <laughs> Man- Romance uh, monologue from Dennis Hopper, which I contemplated, and the scene from Pulp Fiction that Christopher Walken is telling Bruce Willis about his watch. Yeah. Both have racial epitaphs in them. And at no point before, while I was practicing this, did I remember that I had at least a couple of Asian class members. And so I'm (laughs) getting ready to say the word. I stopped dead in my tracks, looked down at the script, looked up at the audience in horror, and I cannot remember what I made up. But everybody in there had seen Pulp Fiction. They knew the words that were coming next. <laughs> so I could see the upcoming, the, the bug-eyed horror that was starting to rise as I was getting towards that if, word. If not, if so, not bug-eyed horror, uh, just the raised eyebrows of anticipation. Yes. Because they knew something was going to happen. Was I going to say it, or was I going to come up with something else? <laughs> that part doesn't have anything to do with Mall Rats, but the piece before that does, because I was so in love with this movie that I thought it'd be great to do the scene. For, uh, it, it, I, I don't know what to say. It's embarrassing now. I tried watching it about ten years ago. I thought it was okay, but I didn't think it was the greatest thing ever like I did in 95, uh, 96. And I watched it last year. Someone gave me uh, the ultraviolet code for it, so I put it in my Voodoo account. I watched it, made it mm, 25 minutes into it. And this is the director's cut, so it's even more crap. Oh, no. I cannot stand how fake, pretentious. There is hardly an honest moment in Mallrats the way that the movies that surround it do. Uh, clerks. Oh, wait, 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 uh, wait, wait, wait. wait. I don't, I don't think what? Kevin Smith writes honestly. I think he writes honestly to his own opinion and how, how his, in his mind, everything is written perfectly. So all of his characters sound like him when he does a monologue. All of his characters have that kind of banter back know. and forth. So, Clerks, when I saw Clerks, it might have been dingy, lame, and honest in its setting. But I don't think any of the words that the characters were saying were too honest. I think they were all tailored exactly like, you know... Do you think Shakespeare's honest? No. See? These are... uh, uh, Clerks is, uh, like you're saying, is honest in in the way that the idiosyncratic routine of how normal people go through their day at these low rent, uh, like uh, uh, retail jobs, that kind of thing is honest. The dialogue, no, the dialogue is dialogue. It's not how people really talk. Chase and Amy was much better in how it handled the conversation. But you're right, all of his movies, except for maybe the last couple that oh, right. he's done, yeah, yeah, have yeah. been very there's, fake. There's a lot of naturalness in, um, <laughs> in Dusk. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Red State. Red State has a, 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 lo- a lot of at, natural yeah. um, type of acting. And he, it's, it's like uh, the transatlantic... A way of speaking back in the, the 30s and 40s. Hey, buddy. What are you doing, buddy? Hey there, sir. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> had merged into a much more natural way of speaking by the 70s due to Cassavetes and all these guys. The method. Right. It's, so, it's almost necessary for him to make the worst piece of crap ever cop out in order for him to walk away, say, you know what, I'm not going to make movies anymore, and then slowly uh, evolve into the, the filmmaker that made Red State and Tusk. Now I'm excited to again about his work. Yoga Hosers? But before that, I could barely... Yeah, I don't... The Yoga Hosers probably just going to be 
be like silly garbage, but uh, or not, I don't know. It's a sequel, directly sequel to Tusk. It's still got the same characters, yeah. and yeah, I don't know. Uh, so Mallrats, Mallrats, Mallrats bombed for a good reason. It's it's every note in it rings false, set up, forced. It, nothing about it seems realistic. It's you know they joked at the time that it was supposed to be the Porkies of the night. Yeah, I was gonna mention that they this. they wanted the studio wanted Porky. It's it's a frustrating movie because it feels like it had the potential to be a Days of Confused or Fast Times of Right, and it even and has he, some of the cast members. He looked like, yeah, and it's almost as if he had a script originally that was more realistic, and then because the studio pushed him in a certain direction, they make this more mass audience, make this more American Pie, which wasn't out yet, but you know, that kind of idea. Yeah. The, make this more Porky's, you know, something that the kids will go to and uh, just laugh their ass off. It doesn't <laughs> the matter. The kids that aren't allowed to get into a rated R movie go into and laugh their butts yeah. off. You can't get into it, but you're going to want to. Right. I don't know. I, I never understood. So you'll buy, you'll, you'll buy tickets to another movie and sneak into yeah, that Yeah, I never understood a raunchy teen comedy. I never understood it because kids can't get into it except they finagle their way into it somehow. I never got it. Right, well, back in the 80s, you could. It was really easy to get into an R-rated movie. But by by 95, I think is when uh, theaters and uh, parents started taking notice of this trend and tried to put a stop to it. Because the movies are getting much, much worse. I mean, kids are trying to get into Natural Born Killers and stuff like that, which I, I, I don't want to be a prude, but I, I, there's a reason why these movies are rated. You know he's on the verge of making a sequel to this. Oh, no. I, he should not. He should. He yeah. shouldn't. The, the direction that he's going with his career, he should not be doing Maul. It's called Maul Brat. No. And, it's the kids uh, of them? About, no. He's talking about doing, yeah, and he's talking about doing Clerks 3, and I just think it's time for him to go in a different direction and stay that way because it's for the best. I was one like you. I, I wasn't like you in the sense of like you thought it was the best thing ever but I thought it was my duty as a guy who had interests in sort of dorky things right, right. sort of I, I was never a comic book geek but I draw comic book style or various styles so I had interest in that I didn't know the lore and, and history according to Stan Lee or anything like this I do more so now, thanks to Marvel, putting him in everything. But yeah, yeah. back then, this was his first appearance like that, where he's revered like a god. And I just thought that I'm going to, you know, stand by my guys, which aren't my guys. And my brother thought that those guys were my guys. So yeah, when, yeah. when Affleck and Damon won the Oscar that year, he's like, your boys won the Oscar! It was like, my who? Who? <laughs> I haven't even... what. <laughs> And he's like, Damon and Affleck. And I'm like, uh, uh, I don't, I've never seen that movie. I don't know those guys. What? <laughs> I was totally confused. Have you ever listened to Kevin Smith's podcast, Hollywood Babylon? No, but that sounds uh, like it picked up from the original Hollywood Babylon, where he just talks about the uh, rumors and seedy right, underbelly that, story of the, Hollywood. The problem with the show, as much as I enjoy it, it's... It's repetitive. It's the same exact thing every single week with just a few interchangeable parts. Huh. And people are very, very comfortable with the same exact thing. And that's the problem with a lot of his movies up until Cop Out is that a lot of his movies repeat the same exact beats, the style, the story itself. Yeah. The core story might be different. But well, What about Jersey Girl? Jersey Girl, did that didn't do the same thing, did it? No, it didn't. And people rejected it because it was completely different. And I still think 
it's a good movie. Hmm. Not great, just it was good. Yeah, and adequate. People just flat out rejected it because it's so different for him. Right. But he's the kind of artist that seems to, while he does a lot of stuff, the dude never seems to rest. He seems to get stuck in routines and it sells. And that's the problem for me is this podcast doesn't do that well, but it has a very small loyal audience that knows that each episode can be completely unique. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. you and I have our style, yeah. but we can ch- we change up our style from time to time. And then if I have a guest come in, it's a totally different flavor and it keeps me from getting bored. <laughs> it's all about keeping the shiny objects moving around your head. Right. <laughs> Don't get bored, Michael. All right, so that's the one that I used to love and now hate. If we had more time, I'd discuss Tango and Cash, but we don't. So what's the movie that you used to love and hate? That I used to love is Equilibrium. The Cleric is the final line of defense. If the Resistance compromises it, we are doomed. You can't do this. You cannot do this. There's nothing we can't do. It's real. Burn it. Cleric, I can only hope one day to be as uncompromising as you. You're a family man? Yes, sir. A boy and a girl. Hey, don't move! Don't move! This is a lawful entry. We have a warrant for your wife's arrest. Remember me. Welcome to the underground. Do you know why you came? Yes. They trained you your whole life to fight these kind of odds. What can I do? I've heard the most disturbing rumor. Rumor, sir? A rumor maintaining that one of the cleric is actually attempting to contact the resistance. Then you know what I'm going to do now. Preston, give me yourself. Entirely without incident. No, not without incident. Equilibrium. Dang, I went to the theater, we had to find that movie in the theater. We had to go far and wide. The Weinstein brothers dumped it. Yeah, we sought Equilibrium out, and it was about 40 miles away from where we live, um, in Southern California. So, and we were like, yeah, this is great. We watched it, it was awesome, and it has a lot of earmarks that I really, really like. I like dystopian thrillers. I like, uh, Fahrenheit 451 is one of my favorite books. I have it signed by Ray Bradbury. So, it pulls a lot from that, and a lot from Bradbury's contemporaries. The Aldous Huxley Brave New World thing with the, the Soma drug. Uh, various, yeah. various other totalitarian regimes stories and movie and then it has some really neat what people were calling matrix style action in it which is not at all matrix style action no. but uh gun foo gun foo yeah the gun kata how how cool is that right all this stuff yeah put together should make for an amazing experience and at the time when i saw it i believed as much Possibly because I was also still kind of immature in my thinking about just things. Not immature in the sense of, like, mall rats, boogers, boobs, farts, and whatever. (laughs) But immature in just that I I was still young in the ways of life. Okay, so, and I'm now a crotchety old guy with a limp. A few years ago. Wait, wait, can I ask you a question? Yeah, go ahead. Is the limp from the axe in your foot? Yes, it still affects me. That sucks. The, the, the axe has been removed, but uh, lately... Oh, yeah, he's not walking around with an axe still in his foot. That'd be insane. <laughs> I don't know Le- why the paint won't go away. I, I suppose I, could sh- I should take it out. I don't uh, I don't know. It looks cool. <laughs> it's a good conversation uh, starter, but God, the pain. Right. 
the nerves have been acting up lately, really annoyingly. So a few years ago, I reconnected with my best friend from high school. When I was living in Nashville, he was living in Alabama, which is strange from two guys from same area in Southern California to make their way to the South separately without having talked to each other in 10 or so years. So we reconnected, and at one point, I shared with him this movie, and we're watching it. And you know, I've seen it a bunch of times, so many times that I don't even need to watch it. So we're watching it, and I'm more observing his response to it. And his response is absolutely unamused but yeah. but this we had seen a various various movies growing up we'd seen bill and ted's bogus journey in the theater we saw like edward scissorhands we saw pulp fiction in which he walked out of because he thought that it was glory he walked out of he pulp thought fiction? that it was glorifying heroin you okay which it, it, uh... he 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 has that mindset okay he had that mindset anyway he walked out of okay pulp fiction he watched barton fink and didn't connect to it these are movies that I kind of made him go see. We watched UHF. Okay. He w- watched UHF, and he made fun of me for UHF. But UHF is a work of genius. Okay, can I ask you this? Was there ever a movie you two went and saw that he liked? Yeah, 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 yeah. The Bill and Ted stuff. Okay. Bill and Ted stuff okay, okay. was was our thing. Edward Scissorhands, he was cool with. He couldn't connect with Barton Fink, but... Hudsucker proxy he got with and he yeah. when when I told him about Barton like we're gonna go see Barton Fink and we watch it he didn't connect to it he was like uneased by it but that's a good response because it's an uneasy movie still when I said Hudsucker proxy it's by the same guys he was like I don't uh, I don't know I don't. so I'm like dude watch it and it was awesome right yeah. so he he's varied in his responses and we're not the same person and I know not to necessarily give him all the clout in the world about how much influence he may have have on me or not regarding especially something like pulp fiction but we're watching equilibrium and he's like this is just kind of dumb (laughs) and and i'm like what do you mean dumb it's like and i explained what i explained at the beginning of the movie he's like yeah but it's just still kind of stupid and he didn't really necessarily have to explain it we just continued watching it until it slowly dawned on me through that experience how dumb that movie really is and since then revisiting it and stuff it's still dumb it's like a 14-year-old wrote it not necessarily even a smart 14-year-old like a smart smart 14-year-old it's like a 14-year-old looked at all of his favorite comics, put them together, redressed name character, and called it, this is like, you know, masterpiece science fiction. Accept it. Yeah. So I understand totally why the Weinstein brothers were like, yeah, let's limit this thing. Thanks. You know, they, uh, they, they dumped three movies in the theaters around that time. They dumped Texas Rangers after cutting a half hour out of the movie and making it an incoherent mess, which I still would like to see the original cut. Hmm. Equilibrium, which they also dumped. And then the best movie that they dumped, which they shouldn't have, but I can see why they thought there might not have been an audience for it, is Below. Oh, Below is good. Below is still yeah, still a good fantastic. movie. Below was a great movie. And this is after David Twohey got a hit out of Pitch Black, and they still were like, Nah, there's no audience for this. Yeah, and, uh, they dumped it. Below's a good Shame. ghost story. It's a great ghost story. But going back to Equilibrium, I heard one of the reasons why they did it so limited. I only heard, read this. This is one of the stupid internet things. This is not true. So this 
can't be true. That because it's a movie about fighting a totalitarian regime, a fascist regime, and some arguably would say that George W. Bush's presidency was a fascist regime. Some would say that. I'm not saying that. I'm not not saying that. I'm just stating what some would say. And right. the reason why that movie was quelched, as they say, is because it would threaten to open the minds of the masses. <laughs> Silly conspiracy no, no theory. No, are... no, 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 no. You're right. There's no way. What surprises me is the Weinsteins are money whores, but they're also Edward Scissorhands when it comes to film editing. I don't like so, that. So, uh, I don't know if they cut what? I, I don't like that they cut things like that. I mean, they released... Oh, yeah. They ended up releasing Snowpiercer intact, but that was due to a brutal battle in the studios. Yeah, but they also barely released it, too. I know. They had no faith in it. But it's such a good movie. Uh, basically, I don't know if there's another version of Equilibrium where there's more plots there's more stuff going on but there is two goofy things that have always bothered me i still like equilibrium when i first heard about equilibrium it was on ebert and roper i never saw a trailer for it i never saw a poster for it and they were talking about it and i thought some of the clips looked cool i was still in my immature state where if you saw a guy sliding around with two guns john woo style i yeah. was going to find this movie right so that was i was at the very tail end of that kind of attitude yeah it didn't matter if the movie was any good if i saw a guy doing wire stunts doing these crazy kung fu things i would go see it yeah Yes. And they were talking about it, and they said, inside this movie is a good idea, but it's like something healthy wrapped in something fried and greasy. Yes. And that's... he said it was trash, but it's highly entertaining trash. It was when you first saw it. When I first saw it at my age, at that age that I was then. Yes. I agree. I can't. And I can't now, now, if some of you are regular listeners of all the podcasts, you'll notice there's a podcast that, in fact, Andrew was a guest on the very first episode. It was called Trash Cinema. Yeah. I took that name from that review that Ebert uh, and Roper did of Equilibrium when he said it's highly entertaining trash. And for some reason, I thought it'd be funny. This is before everybody started saying trash cinema. Right. I just thought trash cinema is something that you can make fun of, but you still enjoy. It, it's like a guilty pleasure. And Equilibrium is one of those. There's some weird stuff special effects wise that make no sense to me what when he's doing the gung fu yeah. you can see it's it's cgi arms the, the cgi arms are flying around like nobody's arms can move yeah and it, you know, is it cgi movie, or is it just like an effect thrown onto his actual arms and they're doing some sort of uh, editing trick um i actually no i'm pretty keen on cgi but this one does confuse me a bit i'm not 100 certain if it's cgi or some weird editing thing yeah i like but, i like um, a lot of the shadow play that they do especially at the beginning the strobing I, I like certain things, and I like the... I, yeah, they're right. It's got a lot of neat ideas, obviously, because it's pulling from all those stories that I, was, I mentioned. True. Yeah, it kind of steals from a lot of stuff. There's one sequence at the very end where he's taking down a bunch of guys. He throws the clips on the ground. Yeah. And they're, like, weighted, so they stick up. Yeah. And that's fine. I mean, that's crazy, but it's fine. The thing that bugs me is right after that, when he kicks the butt of a gun, mm -hmm. and it flips up over his shoulder, and he grabs it and mows down a bunch of people. I don't care how cool the idea sounds. After you film that and it shows how jagged and weird it looks and fake you should have edited that out come up with a new idea that was really <laughs> right well there's an impressive part where he's got the dog in the trunk and he's surrounded by these guys and wimmer said we need a, a fight scene here kurt wimmer's the director writer we need a fight scene here but we don't have any time and then bail one of the impressive things that he does is say i can do this come on let's block this out we can do this in a half an hour we have time and they blocked it and he did it and that is the handle of the gun fight where he has two pistols yeah, and he's just yeah. bashing in helmets Claire, what's happening? Heard gunshot. What are you doing? Claire, the resistance fight. 
That was pretty impressive. It's still, it's jarringly edited at certain points, but that they got that scene done in 30 minutes is impressive. Well, it also impresses me is that, and I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but anybody who owns a dog knows that dogs are very, very sensitive to sound. And if it had been a gunfight, it would have been damaging to the dog, may have scared, run off. I don't know. I don't even know if they put any thought into that at all. But if I was going to fight and I had a little puppy with me, yeah, I'd fight with the, the guns instead of bullets. So yeah, that's possibly the, that's actually a big turning point in the movie that's possibly my favorite scene in the movie still overall stupid because that's a puppy for one and he's rescuing a puppy not all these human beings at other points in the movie in which he, anyway sorry it's a dumb movie <laughs> you get you've got it's okay a lot of interesting neatness to it but it's dumb and it doesn't have a sequel to help it be better a la empire strikes back so <laughs> right did you ever see his follow-up to equilibrium yeah it's and, and it's yeah it's a, that's, see that's, that's so a, dumb it's so it's a video Game I saw, that's a movie was... that you, you kind of just let it be its thing, but you, I can't say I like that. But that's my first impression. That's not my first impression is this is awesome, which was Equilibrium. Yeah, I was like about 20 minutes into it going, oh boy. Yeah. So uh, we've got those two out of the way. Now this is, this is the positive part. For me, Equilibrium leads well into Kill Bill. Not too long ago, I was quite the professional. My friends and I... We were the creme de la creme in an exclusive industry, and we all worked for this man, Bill. Then one day, I decided to leave, settle down, and start a new life. But when I tried to get out, they did me in. I guess they should have tried a little harder. Now it's kill or be killed. You have every right to want to get even. Get even? Even, Stephen? I would have to kill you. That'd be about square. And I choose kill. <laughs> One pick to Tokyo, please. One way. That woman deserves her revenge. We deserve to die. I've killed a hell of a lot of people to get to this point. Silly Caucasian girl likes to play with samurai swords. Yeah. Any more subordinates for me to kill? You didn't think it was going to be that easy, did you? For a second there? Yeah, I kind of did. I went on what the movie advertisements refer to as a roaring rampage of revenge. I roared, and I rampaged, and I got bloody satisfaction. You've got to start becoming afraid of her, because she is coming. And when I arrive at my destination, I am gonna kill Bill. Okay, so so one. this is not Kill Bill one and two. This is just Kill Bill one. Yep, I really enjoyed Kill Bill two. It uh, it was playing at our theater, and I had not seen part one yet. I was moving at oh. the time it came out, so I totally missed it. Didn't have the money or the time to do it. So it was coming out, and I, and I was working at a movie theater at the time, and I could see it for free. And I was like, well, crap, I got to watch the first one. So I immediately rented it, watched it, and I was okay for uh, bits and pieces. There's stuff that I like and stuff that I really did not like. I remember the whole sometimes Terry 
Tarantino is outrageous, and it seems like it's really for no reason. The whole pussy wagon thing, you know, yeah. and the fact that he touches her while she's in a coma, or he tries to have sex with her in a coma. Uh, let's not say sex, let's say rape. It's it's li- literally, it's yeah. rape. That kind of threw yeah. me off, and I was uncomfortable, and I kind of wrote it out. There's some stuff I really like, you know, the dialogue scenes, and there's a few action sequences that really work, but when it gets to the final action sequence with, uh, w- w- it's been a while since I've seen it, the Crazy 88s, right? Yeah, 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 Crazy 88. I was with it for about mm, a minute or two until the gore started going insane. It started going everywhere. Huh. And I yeah. was immediately taken out of the movie. I was pissed off because what I thought was a fun but realistic kung fu flick turned into a complete cartoon. And I was furious with the movie. I still went and saw the second one just because it was free and I had nothing to do. And I really enjoyed right. it because you don't see any of that cartoon shit going on. Okay. Uh, I waited for, and I, people are still waiting for him to put together volume one and two. Do you remember when he said he was going to cut it up and, and reorder the scenes and add new footage and he was going to put it out as the... Computer? I don't know about the, the reordering, but I do know that the animated part has an extension to it. It's yeah. a lo- lot longer and you get the guy with the ring. Um, who it's confusing in the thing it looks like a young bill but it's not and you get that sequence elongated and uh it's called the whole bloody affair and the black and white is turned color yeah do you know why he went black and white do you know the story behind that no i don't other than okay and it was going to get nc-17 because oh that's right no i remember right because it's really gory yeah so they turn it black and white but he's like the reason for black and white is back in the 70s and part of the 80s these little uhf tv stations would show gory movies sometimes uh-huh. and the programmer this is back when things weren't automated the programmer would be in the studio broadcasting this and when that scene comes up he goes and turns it to black and white and then he turns it back on after the scene's done so that they can get past the censors and the FCC and all that stuff are we talking uh, so that's, was it channel Z the one out of LA is that the channel you're talking about that, uh, I'm not sure if that channel did it but yes channels like that okay I wish we had channels like that I wish we had channels that showed weirdo movies all i see now are you know how is it american movie classics is showing like steven seagal movies how are those classics i don't understand what's going on with all of our stations it's just what they can get now yeah they're all, uh, they but be, uh, el rey yeah robert rodriguez's oh. el, el rey is pretty good yeah i want to see el rey a that's, lot of these niche um channels no longer want to be niche they're just trying to show all these reality shows and and movies that everybody knows right when i was a kid um yeah we always had that one weird station that was independent it, it wasn't affiliated with anything later it would be affiliated with like fox or the wb but they would fill their schedule with yeah. like oddball movies and that's how you catch like the stuff weird stuff at the store yeah like i had stumbled upon uh john cassavetes in a movie called incubus yeah and it weirded me out it was on one of those podunk stations that's just and this was in the early 2000s even there was like one struggling in southern california and i was like what is what is this because cassavetes is known for these method style fly on the wall argument movies not a horror movie in which he's chasing a demon what the heck yes really strange movies that they show and that's what that uh, that was referencing so kill bill referenced that um but you wouldn't know that if, if he had to tell you that right which right, is right. what it he wasn't did. Uh... 
I had watched Django uh, Unchained, and I was pissed again at the end with the insane amount of blood. It took me completely out of it. The squibs. The, he's a big squib guy. He loves yeah, squibs. Yeah, and it wasn't until about a year later where I was sick and tired of waiting around for him to release the Kill Bill, ser- you know, both of them together. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I pre-ordered that back in 2007 on Amazon, and I waited and waited and waited, and they finally canceled it, like two years later. Well. And I don't even know why I held on that long. Uh, well, ridiculous. in Japan, there. So, there is a whole bloody affair that's been released in Japan, but it's not its not the thing that he's talking about for the American it, audience. Is it because he is going to do a third chapter? Is that why he's waiting? It's possible. You know, he's only got two movies left before he... he what do you mean he, two he's, he's saying he's going to retire at 10. Oh, every director says they're going to retire that's any good. And they never really do. Steven Soderbergh's still going, as far as I know. He's doing television. Uh, He's not doing movies. He he switched from... Yeah, it's... Oh, it's still a movie. It's still a movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, behind the Cabalabra was a movie. Oh, oh no, movie. no, no, no. Uh, uh, Kevin... I'm t- he's doing TV shows, like The Nick. And he's doing another uh, one well, that's based on a Kirkman comic. Well, Kevin Smith, you know, he said he was going to retire. Right. And he's still doing movies. Sometimes you need to just change your patterns. I never, for a second, will believe that Tarantino will retire. He may take time off to go do other things but he'll still make movies and it was after Django Unleashed came out and I was thrown off by the blood and uh, I I don't know for some reason I thought well you know Kill Bill 1 and 2 Saga is never going to come out so I might as well just finally watch them on Netflix and I watched them back to back and I finally got it the blood still bothers me a little bit but I finally got when you watch both of them together you realize it's a love letter to every genre ever (laughs) almost type of movie not horror well yeah except maybe Star Wars no it doesn't it doesn't (laughs) doesn't have anything horror in it except for the graveyard but that's not even like that's no it's still not horror. It's still all... Yeah, that's more spaghetti western. Yeah. But it, it's a little gothic horror, I thought, but uh, it's a love letter to so many genres. There, I'll, I'll correct myself. So many genres. Yeah. And you get that each scene is... A, there's a different flow to it. It's it's all like this whole big picture. Yeah. Uh, it's almost as if you have to see both parts together in order to understand everything that he's doing. Well, that's preferred because it was all shot as one thing. He had to cut it in two because Weinstein's forced him to. So... Yeah, yeah. So, Kill Bill. I, I don't necessarily... I don't agree, not in the sense that, like, um, I think it's crap now. I'm talking about your initial assessment. I got it. Yeah. I got it as I was watching it. I just couldn't wait for the second half because, you know, it's the second half. I actually think I would prefer the uncolorized version, the black and white part i think that's really stylish so why do you need to see that much blood turn it black and white i think that's a fun it's a, it adds style it adds more style yeah. to it I, I really appreciate that i was with it so i'm glad you're now with it you know yeah so i'm hip i'm cool good. i'm jiggy. <laughs> good for you <laughs> so 2009 this movie came uh, out this is mine 2009 this movie came out it's called the box mrs lewis i have an offer to make if you push the button first, you will receive a payment of one million dollars. Second, someone in the world will die. We have to save your son or your wife is going to die. How's she going to die? You're going to kill her. There are always consequences. The Box, rated PG-13. The Box 
Is bi- Which I did not see, everybody. I did not see this movie until two nights ago, so I, did, I didn't have any first impressions until you know just now. Yeah, okay. It stars Cameron Diaz and James Marsden and, um, oh, what's the big tall man's name? Frank Langella. Frank Langella, Skeletor. It stars those Dracula. folks and a few other people, but it's directed by Richard Kelly, who had a huge hit with Donnie Darko and then proceeded to not have any hits after that, which I don't understand. <laughs> I, I don't well, understand because Dar- Darren, Darren Aronofsky is a similar kind of director. They they did they did their work around the same time, Aronofsky a little bit earlier with the movie Pie, but they did similar confrontational and confusing work. But Aronofsky is the one that everybody lauds and Kelly people don't and I don't get it because I think Kelly's really strong. Yeah. But I, I really enjoyed I had no problem with this movie whatsoever. I'm going to say this right now. I'm going to let you talk about this movie, but I'm going to say I enjoyed every single second of this movie. I love the fact that it throws back to 70s or like yeah. 50s style. Yeah, you know, it's 70s. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's about, early 70s style, yes. And it's set in the late 70s. It's not about but. blood. It's not about shock. It's not about uh, gore. Mm-mm. It makes you uncomfortable the whole movie. There's a yep. whole sense of unease. Yep. And uh, I'm going to let you ride the rest of this out because... I loved it all the way through. All right, so I didn't have the luxury of seeing it at where you are now in your life. I had the luxury of seeing it where I was in 2009, which was coming off of movies like Saw. We watched the entire Saw series just because we felt like we're obligated to since we watched two or three of them. Ugh, dude, I right? stopped at three. Three was <laughs> Yeah, so my wife and I have this sort of, um, let's let's punish ourselves with movies sometimes, you know? We watch Hate... Yeah. We, watch, we watch Hateful Eight, but before we watch Hateful Eight, we watch The Ridiculous Six. Just to see. Just to see how terrible it was. And? And? I want to know. I want to know. Oh, okay, it? okay. Uh, Adam Sandler attempts to act, which is a positive. There are certain jokes that do work. There's a donkey that poops. And the donkey that poops scene is so jarring and abrupt at the point that it is that the timing is great. Uh, and then they reprise the joke, and then you're like, oh, okay. But the very first iteration of that joke, really good timing. The rest of the movie, mostly garbage. There is a very funny scene about baseball in which John Turturro is coming up with bases ball or whatever he calls it, which that scene is really funny because he's just making up the baseball rules as they go along when somebody says, but wait, (laughs) you just did this. He's like, ah, yes, but it's only because... I can do this, and this is ah, these are the rules. I didn't, you know, and so that's that seems like a scene to echo Red Letter Media's take on it. This seems like a scene that somebody wrote because it needed to have a scene in that spot, but it wasn't yeah. part of the initial script. So like this really good skit thrown in the middle of it. But the plot remove all the jokes, and the plot is a straight up western. So that's good. I love my westerns. I love westerns. But it's I'll a piece of crap it. movie. It's a bad movie. I don't care. I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> It's a terrible movie. <laughs> Taylor Lautner, I say, good job for trying to be in a stupid comedy as a stupid idiot, but you <laughs> don't. You're not a good actor as a stupid idiot, or I. I have. As a we werewolf. still. I don't we, know. St- we still need to do our stupid funny movies because I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I love really, really intensely stupid movies, and uh, I have no like shame whatsoever about it, even though everybody thinks I should. You might really yeah. like this All movie right. if you're like that. <laughs> So, so what I'm saying is we, we punish ourselves. We punish ourselves with, like, the Saw series. And then stuff like Paranormal Activity came about. My wife is a sucker for ghost yeah, stories and stuff like this. Yeah. 
and we weren't quite in the X-Files mind because we hadn't revisited the X-Files in a long time. And why I bring up the X-Files is because the story is very X-Files. You haven't done any research no, on the story? Well, I remember the original... Uh, I feel like I saw a different adaptation of this story. It's from Richard Matheson, right? I yeah. feel like there was an... I'm going to look... I'm gonna look Correct. this up because I feel like I saw. No, I don't don't look it up. Somewhere. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. It was on Twilight. I'm Zone. gonna look it up. No, go ahead. It was a Playboy story. He wrote the. He wrote a short story for Playboy. Well, called, I've never read Playboy ever. Called Button Button, and it ended. I'll just talk about the story. You press the button. You you get the solution to what ails you. So right. you're you're in dire straits. This man comes to you, gives you the box with the button, says, "Press the button. You'll get your a million dollars." But somebody dies. Somebody you don't know will die. Oh, well, that's an easy decision to make to some people. In the short story, she presses the button and her husband dies. What? But who do you really know? Can you really say you know your husband? That was the end of the short story. It was adapted later into a Twilight yeah. Zone episode in which they changed the ending, and I don't recall what the ending was, but Richard Matheson didn't like that ending. But Literally, I was about to say Twilight Zone, but I've seen this episode. Yeah, it was Twilight Zone 85. It was the color Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone they tried to bring back many times. So it was the ones in the 80s. I swear, it's like, I swear you just said Twilight Zone. You said Twilight, right? <laughs> <laughs> I said Twilight Zone. No, Toilet Zone is part of Dog. Oh, all right. There's a toilet monster in that movie. Poop monster. Poop monster. This movie, when I saw it, I just wasn't in the right mind for it. So I was, one, bored. Don't get me wrong, this is not a boring movie. I had this, like, ugh, reaction to it. Like, ugh, like, I don't want to watch it. The whole time. By the ending of it, I was just like, what? Because halfway through the movie, the short story that they're adapting changes to a brand new story. So the yep. short, and I didn't even know about the short story until after we watched the movie. And the second time we decided to watch the movie is when I fell in love with this. And last night, I watched it again. And I love it still, and it's really great, but I'm way X-Files-y right now. X-Files comes into this by way of... I don't want to say too much about this story. Yeah, if you ruin this for people, it's it sucks. It'll suck all the way. Okay, just think about the theme. Okay, think about the themes in X-Files, okay? And some apply to this movie. Set in the late 70s, NASA astronaut and his wife. This is one of the big reasons why I didn't like it. Cameron Diaz. Yeah, her southern accent's weird. It throws me off. It's bad. It's not a strong southern accent. And you can tell. But, like anybody's marble mouth bad accents Brad Pitt I'm looking at you you can get over it if you just stick with the movie and you're not a jerk about it I'm a jerk about everything first uh. First time watching it, I was a jerk about it. When we revisited the thing, we were both like, what were we thinking? <laughs> this was, this is good. This is really solid science fiction, true science fiction. It's real science fiction with a little bit of improbable science fantasy. But there's a line that says, Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Arthur C. Clarke's Third Law. And so there are elements in the story that eventually have those magical moments that are like, you BS! Totally BS! Uh-uh! But that's a technology we can't understand. And then the main character responds with that quote. Indistinguishable from magic. So, 
this movie is just a really solid science fiction story and it's it's got its own pace so if you're a cinephile definitely you'll get it you'll go along with it if you're a snob cinephile you won't because you're a snob <laughs> and you don't like anything if you're just a James Marsden. if you want to watch Transformers go watch Transformers yeah, I really enjoyed James Marsden in this movie he doesn't get a lot of credit he always seems to be the guy that fills in he is what they call the glue I guess that holds movies together and every time he stars in movies well he's really subtle. But yeah, the movie he stars in always bombs, and it looks like people are starting to get tired of casting him, because I've been looking at his resume lately, and it's it's going to be going to television sooner or later. Uh, remember that movie Sex Drive? Oh, yeah, yeah. Terrible. He's amazing in that. terrible movie. He's good. He's amazing in that. He's like the best thing about that. And we were like, what? This is, we just watching this turdy, stupid sex comedy uh, that hardly had sex in it. But how is James Marsden, which all all we're familiar at the time with him, was flipping X-Men. Or disturbing behavior. How is he? Oh, disturbing behavior too, which is another X Files story that was turned into a movie instead of an X Files episode. Just a little background on that. How is he the the strongest part of this silly movie? And he's amazingly good yeah. at like his comedy, his timing. He's really, really good. Anyway, so he's really good in the box, and he's. Subtle. Oh, I was actually right. He is going he to has... be in a TV show. He's starring in Westworld. Oh, good. At least it's HBO. Oh, that's HBO. That's not just yeah, a TV yeah, yeah. show. <laughs> that's that's HBO. So it's a little bit bigger than a TV show. They got a budget and they let things be made in their As own long time. as there's not insane amount of sex. That's the problem that bogs me about HBO is they'll have a really good show. Well, there might be, be there might be because it's Westworld and Westworld is based on fantasy robots. I guess. So I think but they probably I, I have yet to go back to Game of Thrones because season two was so insanely filthy in the first episode and I was like, nah, I'm out. <laughs> oh, gosh. So this movie is a lot about paranoia, yeah, isn't it? The whole the box is very unsettling. It's very about paranoia. Who's who's on whose side? Who's after us? And that will bring us to our next episode, where we pick a handful of movies that are about paranoia. Yeah, paranoia themes. We're not. I'm not saying this. I'm not saying we're gonna watch Brazil, but that's a good example of a paranoia. Yeah, film. we got. There is a movie called Paranoia Zero One or Point Zero One. Two different titles. With Jeremy Sisto. And I, I do want to talk about that one because I haven't seen it yet, and it's gonna be strange and fresh. All right. It's I got some movie. oddball ones I'm gonna throw at you too. Paranoia. I, I kind of want to get back to doing independent and oddball movies like we did when we first started. Yeah. Because me and Jacob kind of have it covered with the big studio films, so we have that. But sure. the original intent of the show was to find uh, underrated movies and hidden gems and talking about them and letting you know that they're worth your time. So that's kind of the... the yep. I want to go back to that. So here, worth your time, obviously, Kill Bill, right? Yes. Worth your time, obviously, The Box. Not worth your time... Mallrats. You're going to say Equilibrium is is worth your time, but Mallrats is not worth your time. It isn't. No. Sorry, Kevin. Not sorry. All right, everybody. So that is it for us here at Video Nights. This is Michael signing off saying be excellent to each other. And Andrew, thank you for coming back. Uh, See ya, guys. Bye. Au revoir, Pete. Video night. Boogers, boobs, farts, and whatever.